G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on a Tuesday afternoon and I regret to inform you that there will not be a JLo podcast this week. Partially my doing, uh, we're still having a couple of audio complications and I've got a big couple of days ahead of me. It's actually my 30th birthday on Thursday so I thought I'll try and bookend the week with a podcast for you guys coming in obviously tuesday arvo and then i might do one friday before the celebrations get underway because there's plenty to talk about sports does not stop for anyone and obviously there's plenty going on in the nba talk about a bit of that today i've got my nfl and nba fantasy waiver wire ads for you that'll go out tomorrow on waiver wire wednesday but if you're quick and you listen to the podcast, you'll get a little bit of an insight early on. So a couple of things on the agenda, another quick podcast. So here we go. I want to quickly touch on the huge performances that we saw in the NBA, not last night, but the night before. The 76ers played host to the Utah Jazz. And in that contest, we saw Joel Embiid put up probably the best statistical game I've seen in a long time and easily the best performance of his career. The bloke finished with 59 points, 11 rebounds. His last board came after the last shot of the game from the Utah Jazz. He had eight assists and seven blocks. So career highs in a lot of aspects for Joel Embiid. And it was necessary for the Sixers to get that type of performance from Joel for them to get the dub in against a very pesky Utah Jazz team that I'm going to talk about again a bit later. But shout out to Joel. Obviously, his performance was huge. It's going to be tough to see anyone topping 59 points this year. It could happen. And we saw another player drop a 50-burger uh, just early in the, earlier in the night. Joel, actually, before I move on, had 26 of his points in the last quarter. So he outscored the Jazz by himself. First bloke to do that since Tracy McGrady. In 2006, he also had five blocks alone in the last quarter. So his final 12 minutes of basketball was truly a sight to behold. So if you haven't seen it, trust me, you're going to go on. You're going to want to go and watch the highlights. Similar for Darius Garland, who had his 51 point outburst, new career high for Darius Garland. I watched the early portion of that game and saw that the Cavs were missing Donovan Mitchell. Jared Allen was still sitting. So as a result, Minnesota got off to a hot start. They were shooting the ball elite. I think they were up about 17 at the end of the first quarter. So I didn't pay tons of attention to the middle frames, but luckily I started to tune back in just as the Cavs and Darius went on their run. He had a huge usage rate in the final quarter. Obviously without Donovan there, he was just dominating the ball. He had 27 of his own points in the fourth quarter. Nearly, nearly dragged the Cavs back to a very improbable win. So shout out to Darius Garland because scoring 50 points in the NBA isn't easy. And the way that he was going about business in that fourth quarter, he was making everyone look stupid. He had Rudy Gobert and Ant Edwards reaching and crossing them over. He was hitting step back threes, pull up threes. He was just in complete control on offense. So his highlights are also worth checking out. So shout out to the first two players that we've saw score 50 this season. Usually there's about, Oh, no, just over half a dozen. I feel like there's about eight times a year that someone scores 50. So to get the first two of the season within about an hour of each other was pretty cool. Let me quickly go through a couple of fantasy tidbits as well. MFL waiver wires will open very shortly. Depending on your league, it might already be open. Ours 
kicks into gear about Wednesday Arvo, uh, Western Australia time. So as a result, there's a couple of players out there that you might want to try and target. Now, when I'm doing these waiver wire additions, and I've turned them into posts that go out every Wednesday for, like I said, the lead off your waiver wire Wednesday, but I'm going to try and look at players who are owned in less than 40% of teams or leagues, I should say. That way, you know, there's a high likelihood that they're going to be on your waiver wire. The one bloke who might not be on your waiver wire that I mentioned is Cole Komet. He is like minuscule percentage points under 40% owned. He had 20 points or 20 plus points in uh, PPR scoring the previous week. He backed it up this week. He's got four touchdowns in his last two games as well, which is pretty unreal. And I don't think it's a streak he can keep up. However, he's done it two games in a row. And clearly Justin Fields is turning over a bit of a new leaf as a revolutionary quarterback. He's rushed for, it feels like, 300 yards in the last fortnight as well with his own feet. So if he keeps using Komet and keeps targeting him, we could see the Bears tight end score double digits or somewhere thereabout as the season starts to close. There's only about six weeks left, depending on your league structure as well. And then we've got the playoffs coming up. So it's important that you nail some of these picks. Two of the very popular running backs that people are adding right now are Rashad White, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Isaiah Pacheco of the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you have to pick one who you're going to choose for the duration of the rest of the season, I think I want Pacheco. He's clearly outpacing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire now as their lead running back. He's getting the majority of touches out of that backfield. He hasn't really put up the big numbers just yet, but Kansas City running backs never really do dominate from a numbers standpoint. I do think that Pacheco can stay in flex consideration for the rest of the year. And I prefer him just slightly over Rashad White, who's also another good addition. He's, uh, I think from memory, only owned in about 24, 25% of leagues. So he started to chop and change a bit of work with Leonard Fournette in the uh, Germany game against Seattle. And I do think that in the long term, he'll start to overtake Lenny Fournette as the season progresses and we near the playoffs. It seems like Tampa Bay is much more dangerous when uh, he's in at back, uh, Rashad White, that is. So I don't know, maybe that'll just be a bit of a timeshare between the two, hence the reason I lean towards Pacheco. But uh, Rashad White should still see a lot of work to close out the season. So I like the idea of adding him. From a wide receiver standpoint, everyone's talking about Christian Watson from the Packers. He had four catches for 107 yards, three touchdowns, huge breakout game for him. But pretty much all of his yards came on his three touchdown catches, including a 58-yarder against the Dallas Cowboys. So I can't see him, similar to the Komet thing, popping off for three touchdowns in a single game again. He might be someone that gets you a, I don't know, not a boom or bust, but someone that scores around 12 points if he gets his touchdown and an explosive play every couple of games. But I do like the idea of targeting someone like Paris Campbell. He's a Colts receiver. We saw Indianapolis shock Las Vegas on the weekend. And I think that Paris Campbell, from memory, a former first rounder as well, he's had his ups and downs as an NFL receiver, but he's definitely got talent. And he saw seven catches for 70 plus yards, on the weekend, scored a touchdown as well, had 20 PPR points. So I think that he's someone that could be a nice depth piece and another one who could be in flex consideration for the rest of the season. Turning my attention to the NBA, the NBA waiver wire is always a little bit weird because it depends a on which scoring system you use. Cause obviously the waiver wire numbers uh, process all of this is ESPN leagues as well for the record. Uh, 
waiver wire numbers are processed by all of the leagues. So whether you've got a head-to-head categories league or you've got a points league, players are going to be worth a little bit more depending on how your scoring system works. But I try to target guys that I think can have impacts in both leagues. And I think the top waiver wire ad this week at the moment is Alexander Pokachevsky out of Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, The man famously known as Poku has looked really raw to start his NBA career. And don't get me wrong, he still is. I don't think that he's going to be uh, a season winning ad, but he's starting to play a few more minutes, put up a few more numbers. And he's a big guy that can rebound the ball. He can shoot the three and he can block shots. Three categories that are very handy if you want to try and get someone of a power forward or center uh, flexibility. Speaking of power forwards and centers, uh, Charles Bassey, I think it's how you pronounce his last name, Bassey, Bassey, out of uh, San Antonio. Random bloke. I'd never even heard of him. Watched him have his 14 rebounds and four blocks over the weekend. So he's someone that I reckon you could potentially add. He had a pair of blocks against Golden State and about seven rebounds, six points earlier on. So if you're in a deeper 12-team league, you might want to steer your attention towards him. He's a fine addition. Max Struess is a very intriguing player as well. Currently just listed as a shooting guard. The Miami Heat player has had 31 points and five points in his most two recent outings, which makes it incredibly difficult to know what to expect from Strucy Boy. I had him on my team for a period of time, dropped him again. Doesn't contribute in a lot of other categories, but he hits a ton of threes and he gets a ton of points. I think somewhere in the middle of that five and 31, where does that put him? Probably around the 17, 18 point mark. I think that's what he'll probably average over the course of the season. So it's not chumps change to find a 17 point per game scorer off the bench, but uh, off the waiver wire rather. So maybe you want to try and go down the route of adding him. And to be honest, there's not a lot else out there. I feel like the guys that I keep talking about week in, week out that have slowly seen their ownership increase have probably been snapped up in your league now. But if they're not, I would just scour the waiver wire, have a look at how many games you've got this week, how many teams, uh, if there's any spots in your roster that you need filling, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Just another quick, NBA tidbit, Jaron Jackson Jr. is expected to make his season debut against the Pelicans in Memphis's next game. So as someone who drafted Triple J in multiple leagues, it is great news. Does mean bad things for Santi Aldama if you've got him in your fantasy lineup. So I don't think you need to drop him right away because Triple J will probably have a bit of a minutes restriction, I imagine, to start the season. But it might be time to start to think about alternative options as Jaron Jackson Jr. works his way back to full health. The latest Sports by Fry article that I'm working on, it'll be out later tonight on Tuesday. I'm looking at a couple of NBA franchises and whether they should aim up or whether they should aim down. You can probably imagine the guys and the teams that I talked about. I talked about the Pacers, Spurs, and Jazz. And for three very different reasons, I said that they should aim almost in three very different directions. The Jazz could probably afford to tread water and keep building this strong winning culture, maybe win 30 games, kind of fuck up their chance of getting Victor Webanyama or Scoot Henderson this year. But I feel like the long-term effects for them winning a couple of games this year, building a culture around new first-year head coach, Will Hardy and Danny Ainge, I think that that's a smart play. Although I don't blame them for wanting to try and blow it up and potentially chase higher draft lottery odds. I don't think it'll happen though. Similar with the Pacers. I think that they should be aiming up. They feels like, 
have their two cornerstones in the backcourt with um, not Buddy Heald. He's coming off the bench and playing really well. But Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese is a walking 20 and 10 now. And Matherin is nearly a 20-point-per-game scorer in the league as well. So I feel like those two are enough for Indiana to keep trying to ascend. They've got some young, raw bigs as well. They've got Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith. Uh, Miles Turner's getting on a bit in age and might be a trade chip. But I feel like Indiana has enough to try and get themselves into the play-in mix. And that's where they should be aiming the Spurs, on the other hand, I don't know who their best player is. Is it maybe Devin Vassell, who's taken a big leap in his uh, second season with the Spurs? Second? Third? In th- this season with the Spurs? Keldon Johnson is probably the right answer, but I don't think he can be a number one or probably even a number two guy on a franchise-winning team. Jakob Pertl, I feel like he is the perfect trade ship out there for a, a team that wants another big man. And then there's a lot of other clunky pieces around. So if I'm the Spurs, and I think this is going to happen organically, but I'd be trying to trend downwards, lose as many games as possible. Pop's not going to be there for much longer. I, I mean, I feel like I've been saying that for five years, but try and get someone through the doors that he can mentor and coach for a couple of seasons before he fades off into the sunset. And then maybe it's Victor, maybe it's Scoot, maybe it's someone else high up in the draft order, but feels like the Spurs are going to be anchored at the bottom of the standings for a few years to come. Landing a franchise-altering talent with a first or second overall pick might just change that. Bang, bang. Another quick one in the books. Like I said, I wasn't going to keep you for too long. Nice uh, call it under 20-minute podcast. I will do another one later in the week, probably talking more about some of the NBA games that have occurred and previewing the weekend of NFL action that is ahead. Another couple of articles on the way. I'm pretty close, probably after about 20 games, pretty close to dropping my big, crazy, hypothetical trade article where I look at one trade for every NBA team and how it can potentially help them. And maybe I'll, yeah, maybe I'll do that next week, see how things go. But like I said, I've got a lot on the agenda from a personal front. But as always, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. Much love, and I will speak to you next time. 